Good morning, Good News Church. My name is Aiden Plumley. I'm a member here at Good News Church. I've been coming for as long as I can remember, um, and I'm just so excited to welcome you here today. Um, if you're new or visiting, a special welcome to you guys. Uh, thanks for spending your Sunday morning here with us. We're so glad that you're here. Um, if you look in the seat back in front of you, there's a Connect card. Take it out, fill it out, and then at the back of the room, there's black boxes you can slip it into. Um, we would love to uh, just learn more about you and why you're here. Um, if you've been coming to Good News for a while and want to make it your church home, discover Good News classes, um, February 17th and the 20th. Um, or if you've been coming and you just kind of want to know what Good News is all about, what, uh, what uh, floats our boat, that's a great opportunity uh, for that. Fill it out on the Connect card and put it in the back, um, in the black boxes. Um, and then the last announcement, next Sunday after the 1030 service, Ms. Tony Willis is doing a lunch for all our student leader or for uh, child care leaders, um, kindergarten through fifth grade. Um, if you're interested in joining that um, and serving on Sundays, that's a great opportunity to do that. And if you already serve, it's just a great way for uh, you to have lunch and for us to say thank you to you guys. We really appreciate you. Um, let me pray for us as Smiley comes to deliver the word. Dear Lord, thank you so much for today. God, I pray that um, we would have open minds and hearts as Smiley shares with us. Lord, thank you so much for your mercy uh, that you bestow upon us every day, every second of every day, Lord. I pray that um, we would just be lights in our community this week. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. We should have practiced that, Aiden. Hi, I'm Tavanya Greco. I am the preschool director, if you could not tell from my lovely attire. Um, it is Donut You Know God Loves You today in preschool ministry, hence all the donuts. Um, I get the wonderful privilege to invite a family up this morning to join and get baptized. So Kayla and family. So I'm gonna introduce you as they are walking up. This is Kayla and Josh, um, and they're three boys. I'll wait till they get up there so you can see them, but they've been coming here. Their family has been coming here for about six years. This, this one right here is Conrad and Ronan and Liam. You guys come on. All right, we're gonna put you in age order for Pastor Smiley. Come on, Conrad, right here. Perfect. Awesome. All right, so they are coming to be baptized today, and Kayla is coming to join. Um, so Kayla and I have been friends for a while, and she um, has been part of our MOPS ministry and part of our preschool ministry for a long time. And last year, we started going through the map together. So I've had the awesome privilege to lead her through the map. Um, and through that... Um, I have seen so much growth in her. It's been so exciting to watch, but she had the awesome, incredible blessing to um, go through the Do You Know booklet with each of their boys and um, give Liam assurance of faith, and then she actually got to lead Conrad and Ronan to faith in Christ, which is so exciting. I just... I just want her to share just a very brief something she shared with me this week with you guys. Um, okay, so like Tavania said, I've been going through the map, and if you haven't done that yet, I, I really think that you should. Um, it's a beautiful thing that the church has put together for all of us to enjoy, but 
Um, it helped me disciple my children and also lead a couple others to faith around Christmas time. And that is just something that I never thought that I would, one, have the privilege to do, but to have the knowledge to do. So um, I have been discipled, and it does work. And that is just my plug on the map. All right. So, Kayla, why don't we have you take the membership vows first, okay? And then we'll baptize the boys. So, Kayla, you've shared with us your faith, but here's an opportunity for you to publicly express your faith. And as you hear the membership vows, it's a really good time for you to renew yours as well. So, Kayla, do you acknowledge yourself to be a sinner in the sight of God, justly deserving his wrath and hopeless without his mercy? And do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as the Son of God and Savior of sinners? And do you trust him alone for salvation as he's offered in the gospel? And do you now resolve and promise in humble reliance upon the grace of the Holy Spirit that you will seek to live as followers of Christ should? And do you promise to support the church and its worship and work to the best of your ability? And do you submit yourself to the government and discipline of the church and promise to promote its purity and peace? Great. Let me pray for you. Lord, thanks for Kayla for calling her to faith in you, for bringing her to good news. We pray that as she joins that we would be a church that really helps her to continue to grow, both as a disciple and a disciple maker. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now I'm going to welcome you, but following the service, really encourage you that you would make an effort to make Kayla feel welcome. Okay. Now, uh, have you guys ever been really dirty? And then you take a shower and it feels really clean, right? So I'm about to pour water over your head. <laughs> and it's, it's like taking a shower. It's, it's symbolic of how when we believe in Jesus, he washes all of our sins away. And then after he washes our sins away, he gives us the Holy Spirit to help us to live a new life. So that's the symbolism that by your faith, you've been forgiven and given the Holy Spirit. And uh, baptism helps assure us of that. So let me pray for you. Lord, thank you so much for Liam and for Conrad and for Ronan. And Lord, we pray that as this water is poured over their heads, that you would help assure them that by believing in you, they really are forgiven. They really are indwelt by your Holy Spirit and nothing and no one will ever separate them from your love. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Liam, Graham, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. As we step forward. And Conrad, Graham, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And now your turn. Come on. Ronan, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Oh, let's, let's give God thanks. Today's such a special day of you guys professing your faith and being baptized and then joining. So thankful that we could be a part of this. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thanks. We also rejoice this week at seeing one person profess faith in Jesus Christ, and we rejoice with that. So interesting, people often ask, you know, how are you, Smiley? Well, I'm happy. How's everything? Uh, well, I'm glad I'm not driving because yesterday I spent eight hours in the car. I had a friend of mine from the church in Boca died, and I drove to southwest Florida to do his funeral and to, to come back. 
But man, driving there and back, I'm so thankful to know Jesus. Aren't you? Because how do you comfort people who've lost their husband or their father or their grandfather when you don't know Jesus? And I'm uh, just so, so thankful to know Jesus, to, to be able to offer hope to people. And, uh, but I'm glad not to be in the car. Oh, man, I saw a whole lot of uh, driving yesterday. If you're new, uh, welcome. We, we love to open up the Bible and study it each week and encourage you to bring a Bible. We're walking through what's called the Sermon on the Mount, and it begins with uh, what are often called the Beatitudes, and we're calling them the Eight Keys to Happiness. And we're on the fifth one today, so open your Bibles to Matthew 5, and we're going to read verse 7. And uh, let's stand. If you're able, would you stand as we read God's Word together? Matthew 5, 7, Blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. Uh, okay, you can sit down. Uh, you're laughing. That's it. Yeah, that's it. Some of you are saying, man, he's going to make Episcopalians out of us, right? Up, down, up, down. Uh, many years ago, um, this lady went to get her picture taken by a photographer. And young people, there was a time you didn't have digital photography. You actually had something in a camera called film, and you would take a picture, but it would be some time later that you could see the results. So this lady got her picture taken, and when she was mailed the proofs, she looked at the pictures, and uh, she was not pleased. So she took the proofs, she went back to the photographer, and said, these pictures don't do me justice. And, and the man looked at the lady, and he looked at the pictures, and he looked at the lady, and he said, lady, you don't need justice, you need mercy. <laughs> and uh, you know, when the Lord looks at us, what he says, you don't need justice, you need mercy. And uh, that's what we're going to learn about, that instead of justice from God, we can actually experience mercy. And isn't that what we really need? Matter of fact, that's the point of today's uh, message. We're going to look at happy or the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Now look at that point, happy or the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. What we're going to do is unpack that. We're going to spend some time looking, how can we be happy? In a broken world, how can we be happy? And then we'll look at, what does it mean to be merciful? Who are the merciful? And then we'll look at, what does it mean that they shall... Uh, receive mercy. What does that mean? So let's start with the happy. Um, let's go back how we began our study of the eight keys of happiness. In verse 1, we read, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountains, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. He opened his mouth and began to teach them, saying, Jesus goes up a mountain, his disciples come to him, and he began to teach them how to be happy. And why are we gathered today? We're gathered together as his disciples to sit at the feet of Jesus and say, teach us how to be happy. Oh, that we understood that Jesus is happy, that he's the joy giver. And the first thing he teaches his disciples of what it means to be a disciple, to be a part of the kingdom, are eight keys of happiness. 
And so nine times we see the word blessed. And we've been learning that the word blessed means happy. And you say, well, how can we be happy? Because we have God's favor. And when we have God's favor, the Bible says, if God is for us, who can be against us? Christians should be walking around with the biggest smile on the face because God is for us. And we've been learning, too, that Jesus is the joy giver, that He knows the path to happiness better than we do, and He invites us to follow Him and be reasonably happy in this life, knowing we'll be supremely happy in the life to come. So we've been learning the eight keys to happiness. Remember the first? We read in verse 3, Blessed or happy are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. To get into the kingdom and to be happy is as simple as ABC. When we admit we're sinners, when we believe in Christ, when we commit to Him as Savior and Lord, listen, we get to be a part of the kingdom and that makes us happy. And then we learn, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted that the Holy Spirit convicts us of our sins, and so we mourn over our sin. And then the Holy Spirit shows us the beauty of Christ and comforts us. And when we understand our sin and what we've been forgiven, how could we not be happy? And then we learn, blessed or happy are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. That gentleness is strength under control, and when we begin to follow the gentle one, listen, life goes better and eternity goes better. And then last week we learned, blessed or happy are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Only Jesus can satisfy our hearts, only His righteousness. And we learn there's passive righteousness that we receive, and there's active righteousness that we pursue. We learned last week that justification is when we receive His righteousness, and sanctification is when we pursue the righteous one. And as we rest in His righteousness and we follow the righteous one, We're happy and satisfied. Uh, And today, we're going to learn that happy or blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. So who are the happy? They're the ones that are blown away. They have God's favor. They're the ones who are following the joy giver. Shouldn't they stick out from the people around them who don't know the joy giver? Happy are the merciful. Well, who are the merciful? The merciful are those who have received mercy. Have you? The merciful are those who have said, Jesus, be merciful to me, the sinner. Be merciful to me. The merciful are those who've experienced mercy. Have you? Who are the merciful? The merciful are those who are learning how to share mercy with others, to show others the mercy that they've experienced from Jesus. Listen, we can only be merciful when we receive mercy. And we can only be as merciful as we've experienced mercy ourselves. So the more we experience mercy, the more merciful we will be. And isn't that what the gospel teaches? That our greatest need is mercy. And when we experience mercy, then we can be merciful. Let me show you that. In Luke 18, verse 9... And he, Jesus, also told this parable. You remember what a parable is, right? What is a parable? A parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Let's try that one more time. What's a parable? 
you're almost there. One more time. What's a parable? It's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. So we read a story. It's an earthly story, but it has a heavenly meaning. And they almost always have one main point. And he also told this parable to some people who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and viewed others with contempt. So this parable was spoken to people who believed they were so darn good They didn't need any mercy. They wanted justice. They couldn't understand why all the stupid people around them couldn't get their lives together and be as good as they are. You know anyone like that? So he spoke this parable to people who didn't believe they needed mercy. And because they didn't need mercy, they showed no mercy to others. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and was praying this to himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, swindlers, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. Wow. God, man, you're pretty tickled to have someone as good as me around, right? I mean, I thank you that I'm not like these other people. I, God, let me tell you what I do. I fast twice a week. I pay tithes of all that I get. An insider, a self-righteous person. Now we come to an outsider. But the tax collector, standing some distance away, was even unwilling to lift up his eyes to heaven, but he was beating his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. Uh, what's the difference between the Pharisee and the tax collector? One recognized what? One recognized that he needed mercy. <laughs> I tell you, this man went to his house justified rather than the other, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. When you read the story, who are you in the story? Are you the self-righteous person who can't understand why all the stupid people in our country can't be as good as you? Or, or, or are you broken and recognize the country's broken because you're broken and, and you need mercy and so does everyone else? Who are you? And let me ask you, who do you want to be? Um, you see, to be the one who went home justified, we need to believe the gospel, right, about ourselves, both the bad news and the good news. Um, let me show you that. In, in Romans 5, verse 6, for a while we were still helpless. The word gospel means good news, but the only time we'll ever appreciate the good news is when we understand the bad news. And, and when we talk about that we're sinners, that means that we're helpless, that we cannot save ourselves. Even if we tried our best, we could never earn life with God because we're helpless. At the right time, Christ died for the, what, the ungodly. Do you realize you're ungodly? Do you know we all are? The Bible says that all of us have sinned. Well, what's a sin? It's a crime against God. Could be something that we think that they were angry or envious or lustful. Could be something that we say, hurtful or a lie. Could be something that we do, like disobey our parents. 
But we've all sinned against God. We are ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man someone would dare even to die. Don't we see that sometimes a mom who dies for her child or a soldier who dies for his buddy? But listen to this. But God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. What makes Jesus so amazing is he, is he died for sinners. So listen, we've all sinned against God. We all deserve God's wrath. We deserve hell itself. That's the bad news. But the good news is that God is gracious and compassionate. He's gracious and merciful, and he has a plan by which sinners can be forgiven and live forever, and that was to send his son, Jesus, into the world, that Jesus is God the Son who put on flesh and came into the world to save people who needed grace and needed mercy. So he lived a perfect life, and then he went to the cross. Listen, this is staggering. For while we were still helpless at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. He died for the ungodly. But God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus took our sins upon himself and he died in our place once and for all to pay the full penalty for our sins, crying out, it is finished. Do you know when I understood that, that changed my life? Because with my friends, if I wanted my friends to like me, I had to do everything they wanted me to do or else they wouldn't like me. But even though I lived in rebellion against Jesus, he loved me, he took my sins and our sins upon himself, and he died in their place, right? Listen, he died, he was buried, and the third day he rose from the grave and he offers us salvation he offers to forgive our sins, to save us from hell. He offers us the chance to be forgiven and to do life and eternity with him. And you know what he requires of us? To be just like the tax collector, right? And say what? God, be merciful to me, the sinner. Have you ever done that? God, I need mercy. Be merciful to me, the sinner. Isn't that what Romans 10, 9 says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Oh, listen, being saved is as simple as ABC, just like the tax collector. It starts when we admit, Jesus, I've sinned against you and I'm sorry. And if you've never done that, won't you do that now? Or, or, or when we close in prayer, I'd be glad to help you. Jesus, I've sinned against you, and, and I'm sorry. And then we believe, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And then we commit to him as Savior and Lord. Come in and be my Savior and forgive me and, and give me eternal life. I want you to be Lord of my life and help me be the person you want me to be. Won't you? I mean, won't you say, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. So back to the two people in, in, um, in Luke 18. But the tax collector, standing some distance away, was unwilling even to lift up his eyes to heaven, but he was beating his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. I tell you that this man went to his house justified rather than the other, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. 
When we say, Jesus, be merciful to me, the sinner, we receive mercy. And that's what enables us to be merciful to others. Listen, when we say, Jesus, be merciful to me, the sinner, the merciful one moves into us. He moves into us and he says to us, follow me. And he becomes our model for life and ministry. And he gives us the Holy Spirit who says, look at the merciful one. Don't you want to be like him? Happier the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Do you know how we become merciful? We gaze at Jesus. We experience his mercy. And then we follow Jesus. Oh, let me show you. Later in Luke 18, in Luke 18, verse 35, as Jesus was approaching Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the road begging. Now, uh, grace is for the guilty and mercy is for the helpless. At that time, not only was he blind, but he would have been condemned because people would have thought he was blind because he or his parents did something wrong. Don't you remember when the blind man was brought to Jesus? They said what? Who sinned? This man or his father. So not only was he blind, but he would have been condemned. So he's standing by the, he was sitting by the road begging. Now hearing it, a crowd going by, now hearing a crowd going by, he began to inquire what it was. They told him Jesus of Nazareth was passing by, and he called out saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. I can't open my eyes. I, can't, I, I need mercy. Have mercy on me. Those who led the way were sternly telling him to be quiet. But he kept crying out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and commanded that he be brought to him. And when he came near, he questioned him, what do you want me to do for you? Now, if Jesus asked you that, what would you say? What do you want me to do for you? And he said, Lord, I want to regain my sight. And Jesus said to him, regain your sight. Your faith has made you well. Immediately he regained his sight and began following him, glorifying God. When all the people saw it, they gave praise to God. Jesus opened his eyes twice, his physical eyes, but also his spiritual eyes. And listen, when he saw Jesus, what did he do? He began to follow him. Isn't that our story? I mean, doesn't Jesus come to us and say, what do you want me to do for you? And, and we say, be merciful to me, the sinner. And what does Jesus do? He saves us. He opens our eyes. And when we see him, when we see the merciful one and he says, follow me, we begin to follow him, don't we? Um, and because he's merciful and because we've experienced merciful, we want to be merciful to others. So, happier than merciful. We looked at happy. We're happy because we have God's favor. We're following Jesus. Are the merciful. We've received his mercy, and we're learning how to express that mercy to others. And that brings us to the last part, for they shall receive mercy. What does that mean? Does that mean that we earn God's mercy by being merciful to others, that, that, that we earn mercy by being... No, no, no. Um, being merciful is the fruit 
not the root of God's mercy. We don't earn God's mercy by being uh, merciful, but when we experience God's mercy, we become merciful. It's very similar to what we're going to see later in Matthew 6. When we're learning the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, verse 12, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Listen, we do not earn our forgiveness by forgiving others. <laughs> oh, but when we're forgiven, we become forgiving. Listen, loved people love. We can only love when we've been loved. And we can only love to the extent that we've been loved. So the more we experience the love of Christ, the more live, loving we will be. And forgiven people forgive. And we can only forgive to the extent that we've been forgiven. And so the more we experience forgiveness from God, the more forgiving we'll be toward others. And mercied people show mercy. We can only show mercy when we've experienced mercy. And the more we experience mercy, the greater, more merciful we'll become. And as Christians, we experience mercy every moment of every day. Did you know that? We experience mercy continually. Let me show you. In John 15, verse 5, look at this verse. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him. So we begin the Christian life. When we put our faith in Jesus, Jesus, be merciful to me, the sinner. And then we grow by abiding in Christ, right? Which means to be with a friend who loves you and stay there. So I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, what? You can do what? So that means that every step we take as a Christian is we're experiencing mercy because we're helpless. Jesus says, apart from him, we can do nothing. So we come to his scriptures and we say, help me to understand the scriptures. And that's mercy. And when we're called to forgive someone and we say, Lord, I can't, I need help. And he helps us, that's mercy. And when Jesus calls us to love our enemies, and if you're like me and you say, man, I struggle to love the people I love. And you want me to love my enemies? Well, I need help. And that's mercy. Every step we take as Christians, we're experiencing mercy. And because we're continually experiencing mercy, that's what enables us to be merciful to others. Um, Happy are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy every day of their lives and on the judgment day. And I believe it's also saying that, listen, we want to be merciful to other people so that when we need mercy, they'll be merciful to us. I don't know about you, but if my past is any indication of my future, if my past is any indication, I'm going to need a lot of mercy from others in the future. Uh, and because of that, you know what I want to do now? I want to be merciful to people now. Because if I'm merciful to people now, perhaps they'll be merciful to me when I need it. Let me show you the warning the Bible gives on that. In James, and James is kind of the New Testament book of Proverbs. Uh, and uh, so notice what James says. 
For judgment will be merciful to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. He says, listen, be careful of not showing mercy to others. Because if you don't show mercy to others when you need it, they're not going to show mercy to you either. And I don't know about our culture, but man, there are so many people in our culture who want to cancel people. They want to find someone who does something wrong, and they want to cancel them and show them no mercy. And all I want to say is, I hope you never need it. I hope you never need mercy. Because the Bible says those who show no mercy to others do not receive any either. So what have we learned so far? Happy. We're happy because we have God's favor. Uh, we're following the joyful one. Listen, reasonably happy in this life, supremely happy in the life to come. Uh, happier the merciful. We've received mercy. We show it, for they shall receive mercy day by day from the Lord, from the Lord on the judgment day. And when we're merciful to others, we're more likely to receive it back as well. So I want to show you one more verse as we're moving toward our action step. It's in 1 John 2. Verse 6, the one who says he abides in him. Um, the word abide means to be with a friend who loves us and stay. That so you say you're abiding in Christ, that you're a disciple, you're a follower of Christ. The one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. Uh, so Jesus is merciful, isn't he? And Jesus said, happy are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. And so if we want to be happy, one of the things we want to do is to study the life of the merciful one so that we could walk like he walked. And so what we're going to learn as we finish this action step is that as we study the life of the merciful one, we're going to learn that, uh, that what we, Jesus would see, feel, and do. And that's our action step. I'm going to show you that Jesus had a pattern of showing mercy. It started when he would see, and then he would feel compassion in his heart, and then his hands and feet would go out. It started with his eyes. He would see people. It would move to his heart where he would feel compassion, and then his hands and feet, and he'd move toward them. Let me show you that. In Luke chapter 7, verse 11. Soon afterward, he went to a city called Nain, and his disciples were going along with him, accompanied by a large crowd. Doesn't that sound familiar? Isn't that exactly what we read in Matthew 5, 1 and 2? In Matthew 5, Jesus went up a mountain, his disciples came with him in a crowd. Same thing here, Jesus has his disciples with him and a crowd. Now, as he approached the gate of the city, a dead man was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and a sizable crowd from a city was with her. Now notice she's a widow, so already she's been heartbroken because she lost her husband, but it was much more than that a widow then. Uh, there was no social security then. There were very few opportunities for a woman to make a living. So if your husband died, you would have no income. But she had a little hope. She had, a little, she had one son. That was her hope for the future, that her son would grow up and take care of her when she's old, but now he's dead. Huh. Heartbroken, 
as any wife would be who lost her husband or mother who lost her son, but she's doubly because she's lost her only means to support her only hope for the future. Um, Destitute, no future. When the Lord saw her, isn't it great all these people, but Jesus saw her? See, mercy starts with the eyes, right? He saw her, he felt compassion for her. It went from his eyes to his heart. He felt compassion for her and said to her, then he moved toward her. See, feel, do. Do not weep. And he came up and he touched the coffin. And the bearers came to a halt. And he said, young man, I say to you, arise. Then the dead man sat up and began to speak. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. Oh, can you imagine that? I mean, you're a mom and your son's been raised from the dead. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Oh, but now you have someone to take care of you. Now you have a future. Oh, doubly happy. A fear gripped them all, and they began glorifying God, saying, A great prophet has arisen among us, and God has visited his people. Truly, Emmanuel, right? This report uh, concerning him went out all over Judea and all the surrounding district. If we want to be happy by learning to be merciful, it's a really good idea to get up and have breakfast with Jesus. And then we gaze at Jesus and we can see how he showed mercy. He would see with his eyes and feel compassion with his heart and then do with his hands and feet. And then we can say, Jesus, be merciful to me, the sinner. We can experience mercy. (laughs) And we can say, Jesus, I'm so thankful that when you saw me, you had compassion on me and you saved me. And then we can say, Lord, as I go out, help me to follow you. Help me to see people the way you see them. Help me to feel compassion for them in my heart the way you do. And help me to move toward them and do for them what you are doing for me. See, feel, do, right? Uh, One more story. Matthew 9. Matthew 9 Verse 36, seeing the people, see it starts with the eyes, Jesus saw the people, he felt compassion for them. Notice how it goes from the mind to the heart. Seeing people, he felt compassion, see, feel for them, because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. You know what happened when Jesus saw people who were wrecking their lives? He felt compassion for them. He didn't say, look how stupid they are. You know what he said? They're lost. They're sinners. They need a shepherd. They need to hear the gospel. He saw people. He felt compassion. Do we? Do we? Are are we surprised when lost people act like they're lost? Are we surprised when sinners act like sinners? Seeing the people, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. So what did he do? He said, guys, pray and go out to lost people and share the gospel. So what if we would get up in the morning? What if we would have breakfast with Jesus? What if we would say, Jesus, be merciful to me, the sinner? Jesus, I'm so thankful when you saw me 
and I was lost, you felt compassion for me. Lord, I'm so thankful you sent someone to share the gospel to me. Thank you. Lord, this week, as I go out, may I see lost people, and may I feel compassion for them the way you had for me, and may I share with them what someone shared with me. Um, Let me ask you, who do you know? Who do you know who really needs to hear what we've learned today? Who do you know who feels helpless? Wouldn't they love to hear Jesus doesn't help those who help themselves? Jesus helps helpless people. If you would look at Jesus and say, Jesus, be merciful to me, the sinner, you could find help. Who do you know who really needs to, to be merciful to others? Listen, they are, they're, they're miserable because they refuse to show mercy to others. Who do you know who would love to hear that happier the merciful, for they shall receive mercy? Well, how can I be merciful? Well, You need to experience it first, right? To look at Jesus and say, be merciful to me, the sinner. And when you've experienced it, then you can show it. This week, when people share with you their struggles, I'm really having a hard time with this. Hey, could I share with you what we learned at church on Sunday? We learned that Jesus is merciful. And that means he helps people who cannot help themselves. If you would ask Jesus, be merciful to me, he would. Oh, listen, this week when someone asks you, how are you? Why don't you say I'm happy? And if they say, why are you happy? Because I have experienced mercy. And when you experience mercy, when you were helpless, it makes you happy. Listen, how are you? I'm happy because I'm learning how to extend mercy to others. And when I extend mercy to others, that makes me happy. I believe that we have the opportunity to have the greatest week of our lives if we simply follow this action step. You say, why? Because every moment of every day this week, we will have opportunities to be happy. And that is we need mercy every moment of every day. And every time we recognize our need and we say, be merciful to me, the sinner, we can be happy. And not only that, but we are surrounded by people. We are, there are opportunities for happiness everywhere around us, aren't there? Are we not surrounded by people who need help? And what did Jesus say? What? Happy are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Oh. Jesus, help us. Help us to see people like you do. Help us to feel compassion. They're lost. They're sinners. They need help. Lord, help us to do what you have done for us. Let's pray. Jesus, we are so thankful that you're merciful. We're so thankful that we can receive mercy and not justice. Listen, if, if you've recognized your need for mercy today and you'd rather have mercy than justice, Jesus is here. Won't you tell him, Jesus, I've sinned against you and, and, and I'm sorry. 
And I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And I want you to come in and be my Savior and forgive me and give me eternal life. I want you to be Lord of my life and help me be the people you want me to be, the person you want me to be. Uh, If you've done that for the first time, way to go. Won't you mark that on your card? We'd love to celebrate with you. Or tell someone. If you tell someone, that will make Jesus more real to you. Lord, I pray this week for us who have received mercy that we would want to share that mercy with others. Lord, may we get up and may we gaze at you. And Lord, may we say, Jesus, be merciful to me, the sinner. And Lord, as we experience mercy, as, as we go out this week, help us, to, help us to show mercy to others. Lord, this week, open our eyes to see people. Lord, change our hearts to feel compassion for the, them the way you do. Lord, help us to do what we can to minister to them like you have for us. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen.